0: Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have with me today a fellow retired cop who I really wanted you to meet because she has an incredible story, and she took the time to write it all down, and she's got a terrific new book out called The Dust Never Settles, and I wanted you to meet her. Detective Goodman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Stacey, let's, first let's talk about your career, as folks are going to tell from your accent. Um, <laughs> you're from New York. Talk a little bit about your police career.
1: OK, I'm, I'm actually from one of the suburbs in, in New York. Uh, it's on Long Island. It's the easternmost county called Suffolk County. I was a police officer for 12 years, then was promoted to detective and retired as a detective. Uh, with the Suffolk County Police Department. I spent my whole career there. I was there for about 21
0: years. And so you got involved uh, prior to 9-11-01. You got involved in a a federal initiative, um, kind of a task force, right? To be able to deal with mass casualty incidents and terrorist incidents, if something like that would ever happen in your area, right?
1: Yes, actually, the... When you're hired as a as a as a police officer with Suffolk County, they do a really smart thing. They they get information from you on what your skill set is from either past jobs or past careers, um, and that helps them. And in this case, we had in 1995 uh, is when I got hired. So we had 10 weeks of field training, and in July of 1996, the TWA flight 800 plane disaster happened. And my lieutenant was like, he knew about my past uh, career, uh, which was with the American Red Cross. I was a paid employee and my title was disaster specialist. Uh, And I trained for plane disasters and man-made disasters and natural disasters. So he told me, okay, you're gonna spend your, we're gonna take you off field training and you're gonna work over at the medical examiner's office where all the remains were being brought, and this was in Suffolk County. And through that, I met a bunch of medical professionals who worked for this uh, federal agency as volunteers. They, they volunteered their, their time, their service, and their expertise to travel around the country and assist with like man-made disasters, plane disasters, or natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes that devastated communities, and they would help those communities. Uh, they did not have a police officer on their, on their team. And uh, once they got to know me from working over there, they asked me to join. It was called, it's called DMORT, uh, which stands for Disaster Mortuary Operational Response Team. And I joined, it's a volunteer thing. The government would train us and we had to pay the government to get the special uniforms and we would go for the training, and, um, my first activation was on 9 11 of 01.
0: So, Stacey, I have to ask you, uh, what motivated you to make that switch from working for the American Red Cross to going into police work? Well, I had always, since my late 20s, I'd wanted to be a police
1: officer. And I discussed that in my book about how that transaction happened. And I was offered a job while I was waiting on the list to become a Suffolk County police officer. I was offered a job with with the American Red Cross in Nassau County, uh, which is where I lived at the time, and uh, so they offered me the job, and I worked for them as a disaster specialist. And uh, after that, I ended up uh, getting called up to become a police officer. But before that, which which got me into discussing with the medical staff, uh, I had to one day I was assigned to drive the medical examiner out to Marichis, which is where. The crash site, they, they set up the command post uh, for the recovery effort for flight 800, and I was talking to the the uh, medical examiner, uh, and I was telling him how I wanted to be a medical examiner before I even wanted to be a cop, uh, since I was in high school, but obviously my my chemistry skills were not that good, so I had to find another field, and that's when he he's like, oh my God, you know, he, he, he found me charming, I guess, and uh, He says, "Oh, you're gonna. We'll have you come work in the back, and and because basically, as police officers for Flight 800, we were working in the front, uh, doing we were cops, but we were doing basically security work because there was a lot of people. It's small. They were overwhelmed by this 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 tragedy, and uh, so I ended up working in the. I was working in the front, and then they pulled me into the back, and I was I was assisting the medical examiner in the back, which was uh, a good
0: experience for me." That's awesome. So, after uh, being involved in um, flight eight hundred, then do you go back to your regularly scheduled law enforcement career, finishing field training and all of that? Well
1: well, no, they they felt that i was I was finished with I was good enough to be uh, taken off pulled off of field training. So I went back, yeah, I was there for about three months, uh, and then I went back to doing um, what they call relief driver work, which is, if a guy's on vacation, you take his car until you're, until you have enough seniority where you can get your own car. That's what I did. I just bounced around, uh, the fourth precinct, which is the Smithtown area where I worked.
0: So talk about nine 1101. I like all Americans. You and I both remember what, what we were doing that day. Um, yes. you heard about the attack. I, uh, I was a, uh, detective sergeant on a uh, Chicago area police department and, uh, Talk about where you were when you first learned what had happened and then how you further got involved.
1: Um, it was my day off. I had just finished um, a set of four to 12s. We do we'd five on, 72 hours off. And when you do the, the nights, it seems like you have three days off. So it was my first day off and what a cops do on the first day off is they run all the errands that they couldn't do while they were working. And when, I, you know, got up to care of everything in the house and jumped into my car in my personal car. And I always have the radio on, you know, listen, to my favorite uh, music, you know, and I was just going to run to the post office, you know, do all the boring stuff. Uh, and it was a beautiful Tuesday morning. Uh, in September, unusually clear skies, which is very unusual for Long Island. We usually have cloudy skies surrounded by water. And um, I hear them talking about the World Trade Center. and, And for a quick instant, I thought, oh, maybe this is the anniversary of the bombing, which was in 1993. But as I'm driving to the post office, I'm like, wait a minute, the bombing was in February. This is September. So I really started listening to what was going on. And I'm like, oh, this something else is going on. And so I just like kind of made a U-turn and drove right to the uh, the, the precinct that I worked in. And uh, I went in to see some of the uh, plainclothes guys and they have a little TV in there. And I walked in there and they're all glued to the TV. And, we, you know, I walked in there just in time to see the second plane hit. And, you know, we knew this wasn't an accident at this point. We knew something very 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 bad was happening and uh um you know i just told my lieutenant i said i'm here if you need me and he's like well just go home because nobody knows what's going on we all just assumed that there were going to be more attacks and and when i went home i got the call from the uh from the people at demort and they were like you know we're going to activate you we need you to respond here tomorrow morning get your bags packed so i called the precinct i told them i would uh I was gonna be away for two weeks uh, because that's the usual activation from DMART. The preset, you know, I told them I said, put me out sick, uh, put me out on vacation, put me out whatever you gotta do because this is where I'm going. And uh, they were really good about it. They notified, um, you know, the, the administration, the staff that, that works behind the scenes, you know, that does all the payroll and everything. And uh, the county executive, which is like a mayor, but he's the county executive, he runs the county. He sent out an executive order to allow me to get paid by the police department, but work in this capacity at Ground Zero, wow. which, was, which was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, the police department was really great about that. So I spent the next 23 days working at Ground Zero. Uh, I was uh, sworn in as a federal, temporary federal agent Um, And I was to assist, because I had no medical training, my title was logistics specialist, and I was there to assist the medical examiner or any medical staff in whatever they needed me to do. Um, And they would attend to the medical uh, side of things. Uh, In this case, because things were a little bit different, um, and we were just, there was no procedure or protocol for any of this. Uh, we, We were sent up, upstate New York to get our orders, we went down to Ground Zero, which at the time, well, it, Ground Zero basically means where where the towers fell. Um, and we set up a makeshift uh, morgue right next to the pile, the pile also being a term used uh, which stood for the 1.8 million tons of debris that remained after the towers had fallen and uh, people would do the search and rescue, any remains were brought into us. Uh, we had special people that set up these tents and I was there setting everything up. And when the first um, victim came in, the medical examiner just looked at me and said, well, you're a police officer, this is a federal crime scene and you were sworn in as a temporary federal agent, you have to do preliminary identifications. And and that was a huge weight on my shoulders and a huge responsibility. and and. I I did my job. I did what I was told to do. When we did preliminary identifications there, we treated all of the remains with the utmost of dignity and respect. And then we sent them off to the New York City Medical Examiner's office where that's when uh, they where they had all the DNA testing. And 20 years ago, as you know, DNA was not what it is now. And even to this date, they're still finding Uh, And matching DNA samples. Actually, on the 20th anniversary, they found they um, confirmed two new cases uh, or two new victims uh, were identified through DNA remains.
0: What was your, give me your visceral first impression when you arrived at Ground Zero that day? It was, I arrived at night, so it was even a little bit
1: more eerie. And I'm like, you come up through Battery Tunnel, and and the way it was designed, you come up and you see the towers. It was night, and all you saw is the the famous, the the iconic skin of one of the sides of the building that's still standing. It looked like a movie set. I'm like, this has to be a movie set. You know, and then when... I mean, all you saw was dust blowing around, people working in silence, you know, and and machinery. That's that's it. And it, I mean, and it looked like a during the daylight, it looked like moonscape. It almost, everything was gray, covered with this ash and and, and dust. Like everything was pulverized. It, 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 it's sort of like trying to explain to somebody what the Grand Canyon looks like without them having to ever see it. It's it's I could show you pictures of it, but the between the smells and and the sounds or the lack of sound, it's very hard to explain that that image. But it was it was just I couldn't wrap my head around what my eyes were seeing. And and as police officers, you know, we 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 pretty much see everything. You know, I had six years on the job when nine eleven happened, so I had seen a lot. And I just this was just unbelievable,
0: just unbelievable and you were there for 23 days which is yeah. is uh you know it's extraordinary and you know talk for just a minute on how you dealt with this you know it, there really was no uh search and rescue right it was all search and recovery um we learned very quickly on um yeah. you know how How did you deal with those extraordinary 23 days of doing what you were doing, which was identifying remains, and a lot of those remains, not just your fellow citizens, but fellow first responders, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: there was, was, uh, unfortunately, a lot of firefighters um, had come through, and uh, it was, you know, I worked 12-hour shifts, 23 days, You know, for the entire 23 days, I worked 12 hour shifts and there really was no time to to, to really sit down and think. I mean, we had debriefings after each shift and basically it was just you, you, you got up, you got dressed, you went to your meeting, you got in the van that took us right down to the site and you spent I, I worked the night shift. I worked 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. You had your breakfast and you showered and went to bed and, and that was it. There was no time to really think about what was happening. You just did your job. There was no time to be, to be tired. There was no time to be anything. You were there to help these people and, and, and just get the job done there. I really didn't think too much about until later on, you know, because I was there to do a job and I just wanted to do that job well.
0: And that's not untypical of uh, first responders, right? That's what we do. We put our head down and go, we know we've got a job to do and we just go do it. Yeah. 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 We think about the other stuff later. Exactly. So you come to a point where your assignment there is done um, what happens next? Where do you go from there? Um, they send me back. I go
1: back to the, the police department wanted me back. They wanted to keep me another month. And the police department's like, no, you know, you know, we need manpower, whatever they said. So I returned to my normal duties. And the hard thing about this is that I couldn't even talk to, talk to my fellow, you know, police officers about this because they weren't there. They, they didn't know what I went through. So I kind of right. just went about my day without really, you know, discussing this with with anybody at work. Very few people knew that I was actually down there, and and you know, so it, I really had nobody to talk to about this. This was just something I had to, you know, you know, when I went for when I I went to the World Trade Center Health Program that was organized in uh, early 2002 to get baselines of, of our health at that time because they knew we were exposed to things. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I met and spoke to other first responders that were there. That was the only time I really spoke to anybody about, you know, because mm-hmm. we were all there. Right. But
0: nobody at my job that I really, you know, could talk to about things. So what... Um motivated you then to write the book, The Dust Never Settles? What, uh, you know, all these years later?
1: Well, I I actually wanted to have something written by the 10th anniversary, but it was kind of difficult for me. You know, I'd start writing and I'm old school. I literally wrote things on paper. And uh, even so, uh, I still had to hire somebody to help me get all those pages and organize it and do everything. And, 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 you know, he, he, he was, he was amazing. He put everything together, you know, and edited and, and, and did all the, uh, all of the graphics and, and the website. Um, and it was very cathartic though, to, to have this published, to have the book published. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it's also a history lesson. It's not just, um, you know, my story, it's, it's, it's a history lesson of, of 9-11, uh, because they're not teaching this in schools. And, uh, you know, I really think that, that children should know about this. I, I offer my services to, uh, volunteer and, and come in as like living history and, and answer any questions that I can. And, um, but I, I like having that the book is out there and I like having people ask, you know, interacting with me and, and talking to me and, and 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 really, you know, getting the subject out there because I think it's it's important that we keep talking about it, just not on the anniversaries, but you know, this this is this is a part of our history. An ugly part, but it, it's it's part of our history and it needs to be remembered.
0: Yeah, I mean it's been over 20 years now since nine eleven oh one. A day that that our generation will absolutely never forget but uh you're correct in that um you know children now uh in school a lot of them uh you know most every you know all of them in in grade school and high school weren't born then um and uh and we don't really do a good enough job i think in america of teaching what happened uh not just that day right but the aftermath of it
1: yeah the, the aftermath is pretty Pretty tragic. I mean, you have more people that have died, not just first responders, but the construction workers that were down there, utility workers that were down there, more people have died after 9-11 from 9-11 related illnesses and cancers than actually died on 9-11. You know, there are people still suffering and dying today that it's it's terrible. You know, I mean, I that's why I'm here in Arizona because. I suffer with, with lung issues and sinus
0: issues and, 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 and other ailments related to, to 9-11 exposures. Right, right. And that's why it's so important to continue to tell this story. Stacy, where can people find the book? Where can they find out more about you and maybe bring, uh, bring you in to talk about what happened?
1: Absolutely yes, I do. I do speaking uh, engagements, and they can go right to my website and actually book an appointment with me. Um, they can also get the book from my website, and the website is Stacy S T A C E Y Goodman Book all lowercase, all together. And once you get there, you can learn about me. There's there's a place to purchase the book. If you purchase it directly through me, it is on Amazon. Uh, So you always have that option. But if you purchase the book through my website, through uh, PayPal's CureSite, site, um, I will sign the the book, personally, personalize the book and sign it for you.
0: Awesome. Stacey Goodman, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org.